All right, Facebook, I hope you can hear me. We are live after a couple of weeks of silence. We are live from the great state of Ohio. And uh, as you can tell by the foliage behind me, there is um, uh, the Vox World headquarters is in transition. <laughs> we are, uh, we are, well, here, let me show you. Let me take my camera. That is called a backyard. And that is called my son. That's a backyard, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, so we're just out in the back porch. Um, my, uh, my girl and I just drove, drove across the country. Hold on, let me try to figure out how to put this camera back on. Drove across the country and uh, did that in two and a half days. Boom. Um, and the family flew out. And then, and so we're here, but our, uh, our possessions are all in Las Vegas. So um, we're, we're, uh, <laughs> we're living in kind of an empty house that <laughs> was a little. And just, just, a word, um, just a word of recommendation. Uh, it's not always a wise idea to buy a house unseen over the internet. Um, we did that, and uh, the house is fine, but requires a little more work than what we were what we were planning on. Um, so anyway, we are back. Uh, the Vox podcast is uh, going to keep going. Vox OC is going to keep going. Uh, so I just wanted to say hello, Facebook, and uh, it's good to see you. And we've got some questions. Um, shockingly. Um, uh, let me see here. I got to flip over here. I'm still learning, man. There's no Andy in Ohio. And so it's just, it's me and nature and Facebook and it's a bit confusing. All right. So, uh, first question, what's the difference between preaching at church and talking to everyone from the front of the church? It's a style thing, but I really don't like preaching. Thanks, Mike, for talking to us. All right, uh, that's funny because uh, some would say that uh, talking in front of the church is preaching. Um, but I've, I've always thought preaching and, and teaching were a little different, particularly with modern sensitivities in the following respect. Um, uh, preaching seems more announcing. Um, and uh, initially, I think that's what uh, what heralding was. It was a, a, the announcement of good news, the proclamation of the beauty of Jesus. Hallelujah for that. But preaching, I think, uh, at least as I was growing up, became kind of um, it was it was the the word given to the activity where someone would get up and talk to you, but they wouldn't include themselves in the conversation. And uh, talking to you from a, you know, a place of, I don't know if it was superiority, but almost like, hey, I've arrived and here's what you need to do. And like there was some big difference between the person on the stage doing the talking and everyone else who was doing the listening. And I think one of the things that church culture and culture in general has done has been to um, kind of erode that pedestal. Now, that's true and that's false. I mean, in one sense, we're more celebrity crazy than ever, and we have our Christian celebrities as well. But in another sense, uh, I think a lot of us are looking for uh, companions on the journey. And when somebody is talking from that sort of perspective, even if it's in front of a large group 
And even if it's there, you know, they're the only one talking and it's not a discussion. I think that's what we're talking about more than just sort of the preaching at somebody. It's the, it's the, Hey, I'm a companion with you on the journey. And, um, and I think that allows us to receive better, receive the message. Uh, but also for us who are teaching, I mean, it, it frames us a bit differently too, because there's so much um, temptation for ego when you're the person that thousands or dozens or ones <laughs> people are listening to. And uh, you're the one with, uh, that supposedly has all the, you know, the uh, answers um, uh, to, to present yourself as somebody who is a companion on the journey rather than somebody who's got all the answers is a really healthy thing for the church and for the teacher too. So that is question number one. Hello, 12 people, 13 people. Look at that. It is three o'clock Ohio time. And so I'm assuming some of you are on your lunch break if you're in Cali. All right, different, uh, different question. Hey, Mike uh, and Andy, they put in parentheses where Andy belongs. Um, I've always appreciated your willingness to be transparent about what life and faith looks like when the two collide. As I listen to the podcast, I also appreciate your willingness to talk about your struggles with depression, how it affects your life as a man, a child of God, a pastor, etc. Um, <laughs> what, what's round on the ends and high in the middle? I hope you guys are settled in. Okay. I don't know what that is, actually. Uh, as I listen to your podcast, I also appreciate your willingness to talk about your struggles with depression. Given the recent suicides of Chester Bennington of Lincoln Park and Soundgarden's Chris Cornell, two of, these are two of my favorites, both of whom dealt with depression. I'm wondering if you might be willing to devote an episode of the podcast or at least a chunk of the segment of Life Questions or Mailbag to talk about the interplay between faith and depression in all its various forms. And how you see yourself maneuvering your way through a mental, psychological frame of mind that seems to be, at least to one degree or another, set against the notion of faith, or working against having faith, if that makes sense. It'd be great to hear your thoughts about these complex matters, as well as to hear what you think about the notion of suicide. Now, we have, um, we've covered suicide in a previous Q&A. Um, I, I personally, my, my personal understanding, and obviously I am not a... <laughs> My goodness, I am not a, a theological expert on this, but but my understanding was that suicide became the sin that damned you to hell immediately because um, uh, rather than undergoing persecution very early on in church history, people would just rather take their lives. It was very common in an honor-shame society to take your life if you reached a certain point of shame. So suicide wasn't as taboo as, as maybe it is today, and the church outlawed it. Uh, because the argument was, well, why stick around here if uh, life is so much better in heaven? Um, uh, but I, I don't know if that's true. I, uh, that's, I, I remember hearing that in a class or reading it in a book. Uh, but like I've said before, if the character of God is like the, the character revealed in Jesus, then I absolutely trust him with people who take their own lives. And I do not see any warrant in the scriptures for naming suicide kind of the unforgivable sin or the sin that somehow is bigger than all the other sins. I just don't, I just don't see that. Now, regarding depression, oh man, we've talked a lot about that, uh, unfortunately. And wouldn't you know it, moving across country abruptly, leaving a church family you love and planting yourself in a neighborhood where you really, you just know one person, uh, isn't all that great for anxiety and depression? I had no idea. <laughs> my wife and I have just been going, oh my goodness, what have we done? Um, 
but there are, uh, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And uh, we think God's in it, but that's a different story. Um, as I've talked about before, one of the things I love about the scriptures is that they're very, very honest, particularly regarding the negative emotions of life and faith. So you have uh, all sorts of lament, you have grumbling and complaining, and I think you have depression. I think you have uh, David talking to his downcast soul. I think you have Job um, ticked off. You have uh, Elijah um, on the run and wondering, well, how come you know no one's with him? I think you have instances where, you know I, I don't know if it's clinical or not, but we would look at that person and say, yeah, there's some depression there. And so I don't see depression in any way, shape, or form as opposed to the life of faith. In fact, I think the people that walk very deeply with Jesus feel the ills of society and um, in ways that, that transcend kind of just numbing and escaping. I don't think numbing and escaping and distracting um, are true and genuine ways of following Christ in this world. And so there are times, man, when I am too much in touch with the anxiety of the world or the depression and the sadness of the world. Um, I also think there there are times when depression is a, 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 a psychological issue. There there have been some faulty ways of thinking, and every thought is not being taken captive to Christ. And counseling comes in. I think sometimes it's a physiological issue, and that medications can help. And I think there are times when it's a spiritual issue. And I don't mean just to, hey, trust God and read your Bible more. I mean, like, there is a there is a resistance out there. And uh, that resistance is intent on keeping the children of God in prison. And uh, I think our, our pasts, um, uh, way, past experiences and present ways of thinking can catch up to us, and the enemy can use those to keep us bound up. So I don't see depression and faith as opposite at all. Um, I, I wish uh, deeply that God would just reach down and adjust my serotonin levels. Um, I wish deeply that God would take away, you know, the the aches and pains, particularly of those who are so desperate they contemplate taking their own lives. But what I do see instead is great, a great deal of permission and honesty in the scriptures to not only name this stuff, but to um, seek help, to not be ashamed in seeking help, to remove the, the church should be this place where the stigma is removed uh, for mental illness, for those needing help, for those needing prayer, for those needing faith. Um, I just, I, I absolutely, absolutely do not see depression and faith as antithetical. In fact, I personally think um, those who are faithfully following Jesus will experience some of it in ways you wouldn't otherwise, because um, believing that there is at the heart of the universe a loving community of the triune God um, makes you wonder why there's so much of this ugliness and why there isn't more done to stop it. So anyway, just a couple of thoughts. Um, we'll do more, obviously, on mental illness. And then Chester uh, and Chris Cornell were both, you know, heroes of mine and, and fantastic musicians. And so, you know, the grunge era, um, and, and Linkin Park was, you know, barely part of that. But um, it's interesting to see where that's ending up. Um, because you can't live on hopelessness, you know? And so, uh, as Paul says, we grieve, uh, but not as those who have no hope. Um, you guys are talking. Thank you for your response. Good stuff. Hello from Wisconsin. Hello, Jeffrey. Hi, Andy Bear. Sounds great. I, I plugged it in all by myself, Andy Bear. I did it. I did it. I've got your little Logitech camera right here. See, look at this. And just again to remind you, this, that's outdoors, ladies and gentlemen. 
that is outdoors. My grandma, or my grandma, the kid's grandma. My mom is out with the kids, so that's great. And so bless you guys. Uh, Particularly, I miss the Voxers, man. That was tough being away from you on Sunday and uh, hearing just about the continued confusion and stuff. I just hate it. hate that we were the source of that. Um, I've got one more question. Um, boy, thanks for chiming in. You guys are awesome. Hi, Bethany. This is so, this is so fun. Hi, big Nate. Nate's in there looking at his dad like, what are you doing, man? Oh, all right. Oh, this one's going to have to be turned into a podcast. I got, this is going to be an embarrassed by the Bible, uh, podcast. Is divorce a sin? Sometimes is my answer to that. My husband and I are separated and I'm not sure we'll reconcile. Well, I'm, uh-oh, Nate, get the door, please. We have to cut this early. Direct TV could be here, which obviously, huh? No, you got, you, Nate, you got to get the door, buddy. All right, is divorce a sin? My husband and I are separated, and I'm not sure we'll reconcile. I'm so sorry to hear that. Well, I'm willing to exhaust all avenues and do anything and everything in my power to fix things and put my family back together. I also don't want there to be, uh, I don't want to be in a loveless marriage where there is no trust and there is constant fighting. Time apart is making it easier, extremely slowly, but surely to get used to being apart. I've always told God, been told that God is against divorce. Do I keep fighting or do I let it go? Is it the DirecTV guy? All right, that's awesome. Hi, DirecTV guy. Hey, I'm doing some Facebook Live stuff right now. Can you give me like two minutes? To wrap up this question, what's your name? Brian. Brian? You want to say hi to Facebook? Okay, he, he says no. He says no. So I'll finish it up, and then, uh, and then we'll do some installation. So, all right. So what a big question to have interrupted by Facebook or by uh, DirecTV, although let's be honest, DirecTV is absolutely critical because football started last night, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, the first day of the preseason. Okay. So I think we're going to have to turn the whole divorce question into um, an Embarrassed by the Bible podcast because it is witness protection. Uh, It is so complex, and I think it's very, very misunderstood. I think there are some communities that take it way too seriously and um, are into everyone's business and have such strict boundaries about divorce or divorce and remarriage. And I think there are other communities that are way too permissive and are just, you know, have just bought into the cultural captivity of thinking, well, whatever's best for me is whatever's best. And so um, Jesus does talk about this pretty ruthlessly, but he does it in in the context of a very Jewish conversation. So what I want to do, if it's okay with you, and for the sake of the sweet guy here who's from DirecTV, is uh, I want to I postpone that conversation into a full podcast. I am so sorry you're having struggles. I get that there is time apart. And I think that if you're really willing um, and ready to do anything, if you're not already in counseling, you need to be. Um, I have just seen too much benefit personally from counseling, and not just to fix the other person, but to see what's going on in me too. So maybe that counseling is together, maybe it's separate, maybe it's separate and then together. But if that's not a part of the plan yet, I would highly encourage you to do it. Also, there's some places in Southern California for uh, couples on the brink. Um, I'm thinking of something called the third option uh, that Evie Free Fullerton puts on that, um, that could be an option for you. 
So um, anyway, I'm sorry to not do a better job with that right now. Um, but Brian is walking around the, the house. He's looking for where the satellite's going to go. It's raining, so he's got a bit of a job. He's got to be. He's going to have to earn his money today, and um, and then hopefully tonight we'll be able to watch football. So anyway, my brothers and sisters, um, it's great to see you. Thank you so many. Uh, thank you for so many of you chiming in and saying hello and joining in. Um, I've got probably ten or twelve other questions to get through. So if I can do more of this uh, later today, I will. But anyway, peace. Grace and peace to you, my brothers and sisters. Thanks for tuning in. And uh, goodbye from Ohio. See ya.